Thank you so much to Bonisi and to everybody for that very warm welcome and for the opportunity to share today <clears throat> on this topic of the New Age religion um, or the New Age system of beliefs. I'll take this off. I think I'm far away from everybody, right enough away. So um, this for me is really special because um, I belonged to the New Age uh, system of beliefs before I became a Christian. I was really deeply into it. And so uh, I'll be sort of bringing some of my experience into what I share today. Uh, at the same time as um, you'll find as I, as I speak, and you're probably quite aware, because it's so broad, whatever my experience of the new age was will probably just represent a portion. And I'll try to be as broad as I can so that we all can move along and understand exactly what is happening in what's called the new age. And um, I'll just start by saying that um, I, I really felt um, um, what uh, was shared here by Cephas earlier, that um, there's so much happening in the world right now, it's confusing, it's um, sometimes quite worrying. And I've been feeling what he said very deeply for quite a while, that we need to somehow be able to sort of really understand what's happening in the world and make sense of it from the point of view of, 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 of the Lord and try to understand what really is happening. I think Christians are really split down the middle uh, about how to respond to COVID. Um, you know, should you be vaccinated or not? And what else is happening? Is there, are we moving into a period of time where, you know, we, we should be quite um, ready for maybe an end time scenario? I don't want to get into it. That's not the purpose of my, 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 my uh, being up here today. But I just wanted to just emphasize my sense that he was right on, on, on top of it as he spoke about um, what, what we should be doing as, as, uh, as watchmen. So I've been preparing for this and I, I feel very ready. Um, I, I, uh, I wanted to wear my red trousers. I have a pair of red trousers that uh, I have at home and I, I can never wear them because my wife is like, no, no, it's not going to work. Uh, but uh, one of these days, one of these days. And so uh, I'll just jump right into it. I think it's quite clear to all of us that historically humanity, just because of the sheer splendor and beauty and, and the wondrous beauty of, of nature, has always believed that there's a spirit world. That what we see in material form is not really all that there is. And it's part of the fact that if you don't understand what's going on around you, you really have to somehow think there's some other way in which maybe control can be gained or at least an understanding be had of what's happening around you. Uh, from time immemorial, the world has been a dangerous place. It still is. And you can imagine a long time ago before many of the technologies, technologies we enjoy today were available, people would be suffering disease, suffering from you know, all kinds of violent attacks, um, cataclysms and natural disasters and all kinds of things. And all of this led to some kind of an understanding, quite often superstitious, of a spiritual realm that exists beyond what we can see. And uh, this, of course, as you know, has developed into very many different systems of religions over a long period of time. And um, <clears throat> what's happening recently is that there's been kind of a revival of some kind of a sense, especially in the West, of an emptiness. That there's been this huge sort of material, material-based success that is sort of empty. That there's, you can have all this wealth that you might be able to attain through a good education or, you know, good business acumen. But even when you get it, there's something that, that is lacking. And um, in the West, there's been this um, upswell 
of interest in who is God and where is God and how do we engage with God. And of course, at the same time, the West has this history and tradition of Christianity uh, because, um, of course, Christianity did spread mostly through, uh, through the, throughout the world, through the Western powers, through colonization, and beyond, before that, many different uh, kingdoms and civilizations that have pushed from the Roman Empire on Christianity, on, uh, especially in the West. And so there's been some sort of um, strange mix the dissatisfaction with Christianity, a lot of people feeling that this might not be all that there is, that there may be some other way of seeing things. And then this um, understanding of different religions, particularly those from the Far East and from the, from the Near East, and of course the Middle East. And there's been a conflation, if you like, of a lot of the ideas that come from all of these different religions that come together to be called the New Age. One of the very principal aspects of this is that humanity goes through cycles. And one of the theories is that um, there are seven root races of humanity. And we're now on the fifth one, uh, which is the Aryan race. And that, of course, I'm going to come to a little bit later uh, because it sort of speaks to how influential some of these belief systems have been in terms of more recent history. And so now we're supposed to be moving into the Aquarian age. And this is now beckoning to the whole zodi idea of the zodiac system. And so this new age of the Aquarian age is supposed to be dawning on us. And that is uh, uh, somehow how this name new age has been given uh, to what's going on. Many of the practices are based on um, Hinduism. Uh, not just Hinduism, but there's a sense within Hinduism that uh, what's happening with these seven root races, uh, some of the descriptions is that you're, you're, you're all a soul. At, at, at heart, you're a soul. That's who you are. And that this soul will be evol evolving through the mineral world. So in other words, you start your life as some kind of a mineral and then you evolve over time. Somehow you're getting some teachings and learnings and you evolve into a vegetable. And you move on from being a vegetable into an animal. And then you're promoted into the human, the human race. And then you go on to higher levels of uh, perfection. And so uh, this kind of thinking uh, is sort of underpinned by the idea of reincarnation. And there's a very strong theme within the New Age that every soul reincarnates. And uh, that what we're trying to do here is to evolve so that we can reincarnate and develop into the highest possible state of existence that God has uh, designed into the world. <coughs> world. Excuse me. There's also this understanding that God is in everything. That the entire, na the all nature, the entire universe is filled with this presence of God. And that everything therefore has some kind of holiness within it and that um, any kind of uh, action that you might take, any path that you choose will eventually take you to God. So there's nothing that you can do wrong within this broad-based New Age type belief system. In other words, it's relativism. It says that there's no, 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 not necessarily any absolute truth, that all truths are equally valid and need to be listened to. And a lot of people who are in the New Age are truly seeking God. They're genuinely seeking to do right. They wish for world peace. They want to do good with their, with their follow, uh, fellow neighbor. It's not, uh, it, there is a small part of it that is given over to evil forces. And I don't know how small in terms of numbers, but I think it's far, it's far outweighed by those who want to do good. But there are those who actively seek uh, dark powers. There are those who actively seek Satanism. And in a sense, a lot of what they believe as well is classified uh, with uh, New Age in a broad sense. There's also this idea of mysticism, that you can experience God and in fact unite with God through mystic practice. And this kind of um, 
uh, approach towards um, achieving Godhead, as it's called, the ultimate state of, of being, uh, is found also historically in a lot of the more traditional belief systems. In Christianity, there's a sect called the Gnostics who came a couple of hundred years after Jesus had died. And the Gnostics were believers of this. Gnosticism uh, speaks to the, 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 the idea of knowing and being able to know or apprehend who you are in God and that actually God is inside of you through certain disciplines. In Judaism, it's the Kabbalah. And so those who follow the Kabbalah also have this similar kind of idea around mysticism that you can actually engage and experience God directly. In Hinduism, it's all over the place. In Islam, it's Sufism. And a lot of the Islamic, um, I mean, the Sufi writings, people like Rumi, Jalaluddin Rumi, many people will be familiar with these very beautiful poets, uh, poems that have been written about how we relate to God. People like Deepak Chopra and many other of these very luminary figures that uh, dominate much of the landscape on uh, the internet and so on nowadays. And really a lot of Christians have engaged with some of the literature that is going around that, um, that speaks about this, the whole uh, movement around uh, self-improvement, knowing that there's a God inside of you and how to be able to bring that out in your life through certain practices and so on is very much also part of the New Age belief system. There's also people who seek through certain practices like uh, seances to draw up uh, spirits who are beyond the grave and try to bring them in uh, to their lives and to hear from them, what is it that God is saying to me right now? And usually it's pursued with that sincerity. So you sit in a group and you put some candles around and chant and all these kind of thing and hoping to try to bring forth some spirit, maybe a dead relative. These are quite common practices, quite often done by young people in the West in particular, like part of university experiences and so on. And along with all kinds of other behaviors that are quite common today, drug taking, alcohol and this and that. Speaking of substances, there's quite a big resurgence or interest rather in the West in um, getting chemical or substance assistance towards spiritual experience. <clears throat> there's a, a chemical dimethyltryptamine, which is a hallucinogenic uh, type of a chemical. Uh, it's, it's, it's found in LSD and various other types of drugs. And naturally it's been used uh, mostly in South America, but also in parts of Africa by uh, shamans, people who you might call witch doctors who are trying to uh, engage and have these spiritual experiences. And there's a particular one, a plant is called ayahuasca in South America. And there are droves of young people, especially from Western countries, Europe and America, going to South America to have this experience. And you take this uh, substance and then you have an encounter with some kind of a spiritual being who gives you guidance. I have a friend of mine here in Nairobi actually went to Brazil and had this experience and she was explaining to me and my wife exactly what happened. And uh, if you read up, uh, there's an author called Graham Hancock uh, who wrote um, a book called uh, The Fingerprints of the Gods and various other very interesting books that talk about alternative views on history. And he himself went under this ayahuasca uh, with supervision from a doctor just to experience what it is that people have been talking about. And certainly there's something there. And as I'll be speaking later on, um, many of what is claimed in these um, experiences and these types of practices actually do have some element of truth. And the question is how much truth or what should you really follow and believe in? Uh, so that there is a spiritual world and the, the Christian faith is, has no doubt about that. There is a spiritual world and it's inhabited. And we're always getting warnings about how to, uh, uh, how to navigate the spirit world. That without the Holy Spirit, you really wouldn't know uh, what, is, what to believe and what not to believe. 
there's a strong movement called Theosophy. And uh, Theosophy uh, came up through a woman called Madame Blavatsky, Helena Bl Blavatsky, um, and uh, 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 another f person called General Olcott. And uh, they came up with this very elaborate description of the spirit world, the seven root races that I spoke about, how the zodiac comes and, and factors into present day life. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, and, uh, and so, you know, um, this particular movement uh, founded itself or moved into, from the U.S. into India. And in India, they had a very large influence on uh, even the leadership. So Jawaharlal Nehru, I, I think I'm saying that wrong, but Pandit Nehru, the first uh, president of India, actually believed um, uh, as part, was part of the Theosophy uh, movement that uh, was started by these people. And so you can see that some of these ideas move into um, uh, the modern world. And if you think about that, what I said earlier about, for example, um, uh, Aryan race. So what, what Hitler believed in terms of uh, the evolution of humanity, we all know that what really drove him to, to, to uh, try to take over the world was this idea that there's a superior race, the Aryan race. And it comes straight out of Hinduism, uh, and, but it's distorted and changed. Even the swastika is a symbol that's used in India, in Buddhism, to represent what's called samsara, the cycles of lives, being born and reborn, dying and reborn and so on, as you evolve into uh, a more um, um, uh, superior type being. And so <clears throat> this kind of uh, um, belief system has come into our common experience in life. You'll often read about Freemasons, and Freemasons are some kind of a secret society. Um, I haven't ever been in part of it myself, so I couldn't tell you in detail, but there's a lot written about it. I'm sure there's plenty of you here who have read lots about it. And what underpins these supposedly very powerful people is some kind of uh, belief system that is based on a lot of what I'm talking about uh, right now and the Illuminati that have come out of that as well. And there's various types of authors, uh, various authors who have written various types of angles on um, uh, Freemasonry and how it is that you, sh you can actually uh, ascend into these higher states of being. Within music, there's a very big influence of spirituality. Um, and again, remember that the, uh, what happened in the 60s with this huge sort of um, manifestation of people being uh, lost and feeling lost and feeling that there's really um, something out there that they, they know is out there, but they don't know what it is and led to the hippie movement and so on. A lot of the music that um, is, 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 is currently enjoyed, popular music has come out of that that period uh, in terms of some of the influences. Uh, there's a gentleman called Alistair Crowley, who a uh, very influential writer that a lot of these um, very big music stars uh, uh, follow. Um, his writings, and I've read a, a number of them, uh, are very, very much border on Satanism. And so there's a very, very evil aspect of what's pushed forward. And you'll see in the manifestation of a lot of music, and especially if you look at heavy metal, uh, certain forms of hip hop, there's uh, imagery and so on that kind of harkens to a very dark kind of a place. So in heavy metal, you'll see the crucifix turns up, turned upside down. You hear lyrics even by people like uh, the Rolling Stones where, you know, they'd be saying, Holy Spirit, get your hands off me. All kinds of very weird things that are part of the music culture today. And these also uh, somehow belong to the New Age system uh, as, as well. So uh, the Beatles album, Serge Sgt. Pepper, if you remember where you had this huge uh, collage of many different photographs of faces, Alistair Crowley is one of the faces that are there. And so is uh, uh, somebody called Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda. And uh, this is the person who I actually 
uh, followed or saw as my guru when I was in the New Age system. And I'll just give a little bit of history of my own um, experience. So in high school um, here in Nairobi, my family got into transcendental meditation. It was moving around. There's a, uh, it came through the Indian Kenyan community and uh, my mother, my sisters all became uh, practitioners of TM as it was called transcendental meditation. But because I was doing sports, whenever they were going, I wasn't able, able to join them. So I didn't join them. But they had problems with uh, a mantra because within uh, meditation practice, you're given a word to repeat over and over as you try to clear your mind. And this is a mantra and it was a language they couldn't understand. Uh, uh, Sanskrit, I believe, ancient uh, Indian language or the language that is proto-Hindu. Uh, uh, and that, that language, that, that word rather, you're saying and you don't know what it is. I remember my mother being quite concerned about this. But also in school, we, there was a lot of talk about meditation and how it is that people can actually get into a levitative state and there's a higher living that's possible through meditation. So a lot of this was sort of swirling around in my mind. And by the time I got to university in the US for graduate school, I one day just sat and thought, let me just try and see whether I can just meditate and just, just sort of for fun. And I sat down closed my eyes and I had a very strange experience where it seemed like all my senses sort of reversed inwards. I, I couldn't, uh, my eyes were closed so I couldn't see but I couldn't hear anything. I wasn't really aware of where I was for, I don't know how long it was, maybe 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, I don't really know but it was a, a very, uh, it was a turning point in my life because it was something I'd never experienced ever and I thought this is really weird. There's something different about what's out there that I've never experienced and it's certainly worth pursuing and all these uh, ideas, uh, Lobsang Rampa, you know, the third eye, there's, there's popular books that were going around that time of uh, uh, in, the, in the 70s, 80s, and probably still now. And I started thinking, well, maybe there's some truth to what all these guys are writing about. And so I really began to get into it at the same time as doing my doctorate. And um, there was a point in time, I, I went so deeply into it that I actually almost didn't manage to finish my doctorate because I would, I would be meditating three hours a day, fasting one day a week. I dropped all meat, no meat at all, sex was off completely, um, the alcohol zero uh, for 14 years. And this, uh, and, and what I'll do is just meditate. I'll go to the lab where I'm supposed to be doing my, my, my research and so on. And I'd find a dark area in the basement and just meditate like for three hours. And I had a lot of very strange experiences in this meditation. So I was very convinced that the spiritual world was very real. I had experiences that would feel like dreams and, be, and sort of shift into my reality. Uh, you know, uh, people like a person I was, I was sleeping and the person comes next to me and he says, uh, what are you trying to do? And there's this idea within Hinduism called Kundalini. And it's a pretty um, uh, strange belief. It's, it's that there's a serpent energy at the base of your spine that's supposed to open and shoot through your spine and open through your, your chakra over here, your third eye as it's called. And there's what they call chakras, which are seven centers along your spine that are supposed to be interfaces between this existence and the spiritual realm. And if they open up, then you have this, uh, this release called moksha in Hinduism and you get into nirvana, which is uh, the state of of, of, um, of heaven really, if you like. And so I, would, I was looking for this and this person in the dream, uh, it was an Egyptian and he asked me, because I was really into Egyptology, and he said, 
is it what you're what are you trying to do i said i'm trying to to raise kundalini and he said well like this and he touched my, the base of my spine in my dream and then my body went crazy and i was i had like electricity and sort of a surging energy going through my body and i woke up and it was there and it, it lasted for weeks in, in the sense not as that not not as intense but as i would be walking around i'd just be feeling buzzing all around my body so i was very very convinced that this is something that is that really needs my attention and um within the whole spectrum of the pantheon the 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 variety of gods in terms of this hierarchical and evolutionary spiritual journey, Jesus was, was there. And when I was given by Paramahansa Yogananda, he's, he's a person who grew up in India, started this system of yoga called Kriya Yoga. And as I was preparing, I, I, I just learned that Steve Jobs was actually part of Kriya Yoga. A lot of people in the US still are today. And um, within within this, uh, he would he would uh, be giving lessons as to who your gurus should be. And so Jesus was one of my seven gurus. And a lot of people in the new age have no problem with uh, with Jesus Christ. They have a lot of problems with Christians. And that I was definitely one of those. And I would, I would meet Christians, and my mission would be to tear down what it is that they believe and show them why the Bible is not right. And there were various ways or, that I would, that I would pursue in doing this. But what was very central to my experience was that meditation was central, as I've already explained, but the teachings were that you should look for other people who are seeking God, and it doesn't matter which religion they're doing it in, but try to be with them because the energies are much higher when you're in a group. So when I came back, this was all happening when I was in the US and I moved to Japan, uh, and then when I came back home, I came by, back via India where I was on pilgrimage, I went to Sai Baba's ashram and I stayed there and had very interesting experiences. Uh, a lot of my experiences fell flat, I was waiting for some really big kind of uh, experience at some of these events like Sai Baba's ashram and I felt absolutely zero. So I started questioning a lot. And um, <clears throat> when I came home, I, I started going to churches because uh, mosques were a little more difficult. I'd go to Hindu temples and to churches. And so in churches, I would be in there and people, it was, uh, you know, evangelical churches. So people had their hands up and I'd be, yeah, 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 this is good because, you know, they're in, in my belief system, these are receptors, spiritual receptors. So when your hands are up, you're actually receiving God's energy. So I'd be doing whatever they were doing. I was hoping for quiet and, and meditation, but it wasn't happening in the church. So I said, okay, let me do whatever they're doing and uh, see how this goes. And so I'd be up there. Anytime there's an altar call, pop, I'm right there. And the pastor would be like, Kamau. One day he said, Kamau, do you, uh, we got to know each other. Um, Jesus wants to be your guide. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, he is my guide. One of my seven guides. And he said, well, so um, just say this prayer with me. And you know, he took me through the sinner's prayer. And I was like, well, you know, I didn't say no, but I thought, well, I'm not a sinner, but you know, the rest of it is all okay. And then everybody came around me and said, you're born again. And, and, and I was like, well, you don't quite understand it, but I didn't want to sound like I, um, I'm sort of um, superior or anything in my understanding. So I went along and went for classes and so on. And then there was this scripture <clears throat> and it's Galatians, um, chapter, here it is, uh, let's see. Well, anyway, I'll find it in a second. It's Ephesians, I'm sorry, not Gal Galatians. And what it says is basically that this thing that you're seeking, uh, this salvation, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. 
And this completely stumbled me and I was like, what are they talking about? You know, the reason why I'm progressing spiritually is because I meditate and I fast and I don't eat meat and I restrict my sexual activity and all these things. And I align myself with the earth's, um, you know, gravitational field and the suns as well. I mean, very technical stuff that, you know, we were exposed to that I was sure that this is why if I'm going to progress spiritually at all, I will progress. But this scripture was saying, that it's by grace that you've been saved and there's nothing that you can do. And so this really threw me. And I thought about it for about a week and then I started understanding what uh, Golgotha meant, what the cross meant. And one of the people I followed very deeply is called Rudolf Steiner. And Rudolf Steiner, he's behind the Waldorf schools. Um, he has a very elaborate description within theosophy, even though he broke out of theosophy and started something kind of or different. Um, but he, one of his central themes is that the most important event ever in the history of the universe is Jesus on the cross, dying on the cross. And so I was thinking, okay, this guy has taught all these other kinds of things. And here he's saying that the cross is a most important um, um, uh, factor in all hu human history. And uh, I was looking at this and another very important part of new age is karma. So for an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that there's a consequence for everything you think, say, and do. And so I started looking at the cross and thinking, wow. So what this is saying is that Jesus actually took everybody's karma onto himself. I was like, whoa, this is, this is really interesting. And it completely shook me and changed my view and I became a Christian proper now and I started to understand that this is who Jesus is and that all the claims that he's not in fact, the, the, the claims that he is not in fact the, the, the unique son of God but one of many, many sons of God, which is what New Age teaches, was false. That what uh, Rudolf Steiner was saying in his book, that the cross, the event on the cross changed everything in all the universe at every single level um, was actually the truth. And so this was how I became really a Christian. And after that, then it was a process of trying to undo some of the stuff that I had thought uh, I had believed in and uh, maybe even experienced and so on. So I want to maybe now at this point go through a couple of themes. Uh, within the, 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 the new age and systematically just sort of uh, very quickly because we haven't got that much time, but uh, speak a little bit about how it relates to what we believe as Christians. The first I've already mentioned is karma. And when you take, as I said, the fact that Jesus took all the karma together with the fact that he had a virgin birth, then to a new ager, this should start to make some sense. Uh, that, that the, the reason why Jesus had the, birth, uh, the virgin birth is because he was without sin. And, and, and being without sin, and then knowing what karma means, that it's only when you sin that you should be punished, and yet he was punished, that means something to somebody who is in the new age system. It should trigger, it means everything to us, of course, but to somebody who's in the new age system should be able to see, wow, that's why there's a virgin birth, because he came into this earth without any karma at all. And then he was able, because there is a law that you must be able to always, well, you cannot get out of. God himself um, does not ever want to break his own law. And that's why people must be punished. Uh, and, and of course, that's why Jesus had to be punished because there is consequence and in fact scientific belief is that there's a third law of motion and it kind of underscores this that to every action there's an equal and opposite reaction again language that new ages uh, will will appeal to new ages as they try to consider what really is christianity all about and so in the beginning of romans <clears throat> there's um, two different laws that are spoken of and there's law of sin and death 
and there's law in, in, in life through the Spirit of God. That's Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Very, very powerful. It's like two sets of laws that govern everything, the lower world and the higher world. And so sin and death, uh, if you sin, you must die. Jesus did not sin and died. Therefore, he opens up a channel, a way for people to be able to be forgiven. Now, um, if I look at mysticism, in mysticism, uh, again, trying to unite with God, that's what we try to do all the time. Whenever we're in worship, whenever we're in prayer, we're always trying to do that. The difference between what we do and what people within New Age broadly do is that they think they can do this without the agency of Christ. And that's what now means that it won't work for them. And what's quite dangerous is that the spiritual world is teeming with, with entities. And uh, you know, the, the, Satan himself will appear as an angel of light, the, the scripture says. And so there are experiences like what I explained that I had, uh, you know, the, the fact that it it, 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 it transcended my dream state into my awake state, told me that something really happened. This wasn't just something in my mind. And a lot of people within the new age experience a lot of things. And I don't doubt it. I don't think it's that they're tripping or them some kind of um, hallucinations. These are experiences that are born of the fact that there are many spirits out there that are looking to obscure the fact that Jesus is the way any way they can. And obviously, as they say about forgery, if you're going to forge a, a, a note, like a hundred shilling note, uh, uh, you have to make sure it's, it's an existing denomination, right? You can't come around with a 300 bob note, nobody will believe it. So same applies in, 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 uh, in, in New Age. Uh, you have to present a lot of truth. That's what makes a good lie. You have to be able to say, yeah, this is right, isn't it? And then you give that, they say that rat poison is 100% good, is 99% good maize. You have to look out for that 1% that'll kill you. And it's a bit like that uh, with the, the new age um, in my experience. And with meditation, the same applies. Uh, there, there is a whole series, we call it the Eightfold Path by Patanjali. And there's a whole sort of methodology towards uh, having this experience with God through meditation. And all of this looks very holy, looks very pure. Usually it's, it's pursued with, with, with genuineness and sincerity. Uh, but a lot of this actually uh, precipitates within one certain types of strongholds, if you like, that are difficult uh, to, to, to come out of if one doesn't uh, change their mind. But meditation does exist, of course, within Christianity. That is a central tenet that we all uh, align to. And we, we, so, so there's a similarity, again, between the New Age and, uh, and Christianity, except we have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you really have no defense against what might be out there. Animism, the idea that God is in everything, that the earth has a spirit called Gaia and so on and so forth. There's all these um, very, very beautiful writings by people like Eckhart Tolle, I don't know whether it's Tolle or Tolle, uh, about the new earth and, and, and this new age and so on. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians are reading this literature as well. But um, where things sort of uh, shift is what I said about uh, what ca caused me to change. And that is that it is only God that can give you this passageway into these higher realms. And if, if you're developing, because as I said, there are experiences that will make you feel like you're making a lot of progress when you're in new age system. And what happens is a lot of those like theosophy, for example, almost collapsed because the, the, what, what, what gets generated is ego. And so people within this system start feeling, well, first of all, in one of my reincarnations last night, I channeled a spirit that told me I was Julius Caesar. 
and I have this very, very lofty existence, and my spirit is greater than most. And so you start competing with other people within your little circle, and, and they, they had this, this person who they believed was the Lord coming within theosophy, a young, young Indian boy called Krishnamurti. And uh, he, was, he was given the highest education and prepared because his body was to, to, to channel in the body of the Christ for the Aquarian age. And when he grew, when he grew of age, he just disbanded the whole thing, and he said, this is all rubbish. All of you are just chasing after egos and so on. So they, they suffered a huge loss. And he went on to become a teacher of a philosopher more than a spiritual teacher living in Europe. And uh, you might come across some of his teachings, uh, but still not uh, Christian per se, but really quite interesting. And so <clears throat> with animism, again, we do believe that there's a very distinct difference between God, the creator, and what he creates. And that, in fact, if you look at it from the point of view of even Hinduism that says the entire world and existence is under Maya, until a certain point in time that is defined by the zodiac, we will go into higher and higher states of, uh, of, of being and existence, whereby um, evil will, will, be, will be sort of moved out and reduced into something that is insignificant. Uh, so this idea idea therefore of, uh, of, of evolution is something that is, is, is not certainly something that we believe in because our promotion comes purely from the Holy Spirit and purely through the act of uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his rising from the, from the dead. The spiritual underpinnings of science, the ideas of karma, I've talked about that already and there's a lot within um, uh, science and physics and so on that is also very interesting to new ages and comes to sort of align with uh, what they believe and the interesting thing there is that there's this second um, uh, the, the, the second uh, theory of um, uh, thermodynamics so uh, in in the, th the thermodynamics second law of thermodynamics it says basically that as time increases disorder also increases and so it says that almost embedded into the fabric of nature is disorder and therefore, this idea that God is in everything really cannot really stand even when looked at from a spiritual lens, a scientific lens as well. The idea of relativism, of course, we know that Christianity is um, manifestly absolutist. Uh, there is only one truth, and in fact, the truth is personified in Jesus Christ. And so for us, this question of alternate truths having equal right to be heard is not correct, we don't accept it. And this is where we come out as a bad guy. And this is why a lot of New Agers don't like Christians because Christians don't compromise on this. Uh, and we always say, well, Jesus is the only way. And it sounds a lot more uh, humane, a lot more progressive and liberal and so on to be able to say everybody has a right. It doesn't matter where you're from and whatever you believe and so on or what you think. Uh, we, we, you have the right to be heard and that may be true, but you cannot have inconsistencies because they're, log illogical, they're, they're illogical. You can't have somebody saying on the one hand that there's transmigration, which is instead of reincarnation into another human, you, you would reincarnate into another type of an, an animal, for example example and there's another branch of hinduism says no there is no transmigration there's so many of these kinds of inconsistencies within what's called uh, new age that it's logically inconsistent and that's something that i, I believe uh, people who are within the new age should think about and understand that you cannot have two different competing ideas that are diametrically opposed both being spoken of as the truth 
Then finally, this a question of guides and assistive, assistive methods, um, the seance, the, the channels, tarot cards, uh, this uh, whole idea of ayahuasca and so on, and even like for the Rastafarian uh, religion, which is a religion, um, the use of, of ganja, of weed, which again, they draw from the Bible uh, in some way. Uh, so all of these uh, are, are, are things obviously that as Christians, we don't accept. So that's where another, another place where we depart from the new age belief system. And the only assistance that we accept is that from the Holy Spirit. And not only do we accept it, we have no choice if we want to progress and be in Christ to be able to, um, to succeed unless we have the Holy Spirit. Everything else, and uh, for a lot of Christians, even the fact I think, yeah, there's a good number who, who go on these ayahuasca trips who actually believe in the Christian faith. And of course, the truth of the matter is that in as much as um, we know that the new age is, is this really disparate sort of collection of different beliefs, Christianity in certain ways is the same way. We have a lot of different cults within Christianity or, or, or denominations and cults in Christianity that very often believe things that are not consistent one to the other. And so it's, it's really just a, a, um, a factor of being human, the part of the human condition or the human uh, uh, thought process that we have different things that we might believe. And I think again, goes back to what are you uh, uh, opening yourself to. There are spirits that lie and there are spirits whose work it is to lie uh, because they want to, to, to obscure the fact that Jesus is the only way. And so what is is very important for Christians as they try to consider all these other belief systems, and many do, is to be sure that you're within the Holy Spirit, that you are uh, aligned with the Holy Spirit in as much as you can be, and uh, not to rely on yourself or to make that judgment, but to have others within your church system, your pastor, your, the, the, your brothers and sisters within the church, and to be reading the word, which will guide you on, on this matter. So I think really um, that sort of wraps up most of uh, what I was going to share and to say that um, the most profound thing for me, as I said earlier, is that if you're really sincere as a new ager and really looking for God, uh, then you need to really ask God and it's, it's, worth, it's worth it to you. Ask God, who is Jesus really? So if somebody watching out there maybe, or somebody in here has some uh, sort of inclination or because of the exposure to certain writings and so on, is wondering about what's the truth in many of what I've just shared tonight. What really, where, what's the place of, of Christianity within all this wide array of things? Uh, you owe it to yourself to just ask God to show me really who is, who is Jesus. And, and in doing that, to open your heart to hearing the truth, opening your heart to not, not, not to be wed to any idea as we tend to do as human beings and uh, to emotionally bind yourself to a certain outcome, to, but to be able to step back and say, God, I just want to know what the truth is. It's really important because what the Christian faith teaches is that if you do not go through Jesus Christ, then you cannot go into heaven. And the alternative isn't anything that anybody wants to consider. And so a lot of people who are well-meaning, we as Christians, who, um, if you do have friends who have this belief set, it's very difficult uh, from a, 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 maybe an argument point of view to try to argue what you believe to be the truth. And maybe one of the things that you can try and do is simply ask them to pray deeply and sincerely and seek from God himself the answer to the question, who is Jesus Christ? And I believe in that there will be an answer given. And if they're honest and open, they will receive it and they will be able to be converted into Christianity. 
So thank you very much for your attention and I appreciate so much the opportunity to preach today.